Today I will be reading from Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Do not worry, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. All right. Hello, hello. Try that one more time. Fred usually gives it a second go. Good morning. Good morning. There you go. I think the second one's always a little bit better. My name's Stephen Ford, if you've missed. Um, I've got the absolute pleasure today to preach to you again. Uh, Very rare ability to um, be able to prepare this with my dad across the seas. He's also preparing the exact same message, but his style, and I'll do my style. Um, Yeah, steal from the best, that's what I say. Um, Before we start, let's pray, and then we'll get right into it. So please bow your head. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the utmost privilege to stand before this congregation, your congregation, and uh, share your word. Heavenly Father, I pray that, that you are uh, amplified, you are honored in all of this so that what you want to happen in this next year in each one of these lives occurs. Be that big changes or small changes, Lord, we, we pray and we look towards your kingdom and, and our work in it. In your precious and holy name, amen. So last time I was here, I forgot my Bible. This time, I forgot my notes. So New Year's resolutions are coming up. Is anybody this year going to do that kind of New Year's? Nah. Nah. Americans' resolutions. There are resolutions and they're baby reveals. Yuck. Um, anybody have an idea of the top ten resolutions? Not a classroom, just call out. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Jim, I heard. Thank you. <laughs> Make a long list. Top ten. Number one. Exercise more, lose more weight. Get organized. That's right. Learn a new skill or hobby. Live life to the fullest. Save money or spend less. Same vein. Um, Spend more time with the family and friends. Travel more and read more. So 
English teachers out there are happy to hear that last one. Um, out of all those New Year's resolutions, about only 10% actually get accomplished. 10%. Um, so I, I see that as, you know, that mindset. People who want to do good, I think about 100 people, only 10 are really going to get out of the woods. 23% quit their New Year's, rev- New Year's resolution by the end of the week. So about a quarter. Not the chocolate's just too good. Uh, it's too cold to go to the gym in the States, or too hot, or I'm too tired. And 43% quit by the end of January. Now, that's an American website, so I know Aussies probably do really much better of their resolutions and stuff. But I said people in my notes, but uh, said Americans. Anyhow, I today don't want to necessarily talk about resolutions, but more of perspective. What is a new perspective that we can have? Or if you already have this perspective, how can we renew this perspective? I think it is absolutely crucial for Christians today to be reminded of the actual pillars or basics that we need to come back to. So with anything that we want to change, what's the problem? What's the issue? What are we trying to get away from? And in this time, I feel there are some things that I've been seeing in Christian communities, in our community, and community at large, that there are problems. And I think one is fear. And I brought my keys and my COVID mask. So if you can all remember, COVID was a, a big time of fear. It was a time that this was your reality. And we are so grateful. Good golly, I can't do more than two seconds with that. Um, you know, we are so glad to be out of that time of fear. And it was a polarizing event, too. Some were on this side of the fence line, and some were on this side of the fence line. But no matter which side you were, there was fear. Fear of the vaccination, fear of, you know, government control. It was all fear-based. And that was really, really sad. Where was the Christian voice in that? And next thing I see in our Christian community that I feel like is going on is this dissolving of the Christian fabric. And we see that all the time when you can't do this and you can't say that. And if you do this at this time, that's not right. And, and these laws, and especially in the, in the schooling arena, we see more and more of this eroding of the fabric that, that we are so used to having. I, I heard the other day that the Christian, um, we're, we're becoming into a Christian illiterate world. A Christian illiterate world, meaning it's not just what it was done. You know, back in those days, it was just done this way. You know, praying at these times or giving thanks at these times, it's not done. It's Christ is more of a cuss word or a, than anything else. And I think another thing is this emphasis on peripherals. Peripherals, fun. Let's have fun. Play games. Let's, let's do these things to distract us from what actually is going on in our lives. And so it's, it's you turn on the TV for five seconds and you got either an ad or somebody trying to sell you something. And again, life is more than just this. It's more than just fear. So it's more than that. It's more than fear. It's more than the peripherals. It's more than this eroding that's happening. It's more than just the, the, the status or the, the money-grabbing 
or the, all the other things that fill in the blanks. Those are the problems that I feel, feel like have been mounting up in our world. And every Christian will say, oh, it's the end times. It's all going to happen. It's all going to happen soon. And I think we almost lose what's happening now. Lose our job, our purpose in the now, because we're so focused on what's going to happen then, what's happening around us, and we lose it. All right. I have three points today with three sub-points. So if you're a note-taker out there, get yourself ready. And then I have three applications. So if you're writing things down, who's, who's my note-takers? Oh, thank you. Love it. I'll, I'll, I'll slow down for you. If I see the pen going too quick, I'll, I'll wait. The rest of you, you fail, you know. <laughs> if I don't see pen and paper here, you're in a bit of trouble. All right, no. <laughs> so um, the, the title of today is New Perspective. What is a new perspective? Thank you very much, Laura, for reading Matthew 6 for us. If I can have that on the screen before, behind me. My translation is just a little bit different than yours. My translation, um, I was with Tim talking about it, and there's a little bit of differences. I'm not going to read it because it's very long, and Laura did a better job than I would. But in the first verse, I love that it starts, and it says, Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. Well, I most definitely worry about my life. I don't have to worry as much because I have a lovely wife that feeds me, cleans up after me, and takes care of me. But do not worry about your life was the big thing that Jesus is saying in this. This is Matthew six twenty-five. if you have your Bibles with you. And it is... Something that he's talking to a group of people. Now, in that, he then compares clothes and food. All right, Clothes is one that he talks about, and the birds also their food. These are very main staples. I mean, you can't go anywhere without food, and you can't go anywhere without clothes, or you shouldn't at least. Um, thank you. Um, anyhow, so you can add a single day. One thing that I, I look to is we so much tie our life into the food that we eat. We have the foodies that have to take the pictures, and we lose that it's actually the Lord has it all planned out for us. If there was anybody here that does not have food tonight, I'd tell you half a dozen people that will help you. you know? And that's just our little community you know, in, in, in this government. Now, there are starving people around the world, and I'm not trying to diminish that at all. But is there not a God that is good that is there to try to solve those situations and help those, that brokenness? So for my first point, are we not more than what we cling to? Are we not more than what we cling to? So there's, when I was reading this, I was standing out to me that we often, we, we hold these items, these food, clothes, the essentials as so absolutely vital that we have to get to that we forget that we're actually more important than them. And you, you see that when he talks about the clothing of the flowers. The second point that I'd like to, to make are that, are we not so incredibly loved? I don't know if you've ever walked around and you've seen a beautiful flower or just a, it's a, an amazing morning sunrise. You think about all the things of creation that God has made, and you are loved so dearly above that. You were created so carefully and so amazingly. So I, I, reading Matthew, that, that really stood out to me. And my third point 
is coming at the end. What should we be doing? If we're not focusing on just eating and clothing ourselves, what should we be focused on? Righteousness, a right living, being right with the Lord. There was a time in college where I was so worked up about what I was supposed to be doing and where I was supposed to be going and who I was in an identity crisis. My dad spoke into that. He said, Steve, don't worry about being a man. Don't worry about the future. Worry about being a righteous man. That, that is so much more important to worry about. And I think that Jesus is, again, saying that again. How could you be righteous? Next, my next point is God, family, life, and work. So that's coming out of Joshua 24, verse 15. So if you have your Bibles, Joshua 24, 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors serve the... Euphrates of the gods of the Amorites and those who uh, landed you are living. But for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Again, I think mine's just a little bit different. Um, In this time of uncertainty, God tells us first in Matthew not to fear. But I think in Joshua, it's what are you focused on and who are you taking with you? So my point is, my first point in this is, we choose what gods and idols we will have in our life. God is not going to push all that stuff out of the way for you. He's not going to take the money issues out of your way and say, oh, you don't need that. The clothings that you want to get, no, he's not going to take that and push that away. No, he's going to stand there, and he's going to be God, and he is going to be pursued. He's there to welcome you, but it's a choice that we are making in our lives. And I think it's so important to get that priority right. God, family, work, life, everything else. And so often that work sometimes takes a a little frog hop to the front. Well, I have to get the work done so that I can feed my family and do all these things. But if you don't put God first and your life is led by the pursuit of providing, you've kind of missed the boat. Your job is to, and I, and I appreciate this fact, is my dad funneled the truth of God into our lives. Such a huge blessing in my life. And Kirsty and I are doing the same. We are choosing the Lord, and we're choosing to funnel that truth and knowledge into our children. We need to have that priority. So the sec- Thank you. The second thing is, if we have that priority, it structures our time. Church is no longer, oh, just got to wake up and just do this again. If God is number one, it is not a chore. Now, some days it feels like it, and some days you, you can't help that. But if God is number one in your life, that relationship will grow because it's a relationship. If you don't want to read your Bible, then don't read it. Because there is a God on the other line waiting to develop and build that relationship with you. So structure your time. And the last point in this, my faith, I already said this a little bit, feeds into my family. And I hope that you feed into your family or the people around you. And then my last point today comes from Psalms 5, 1 through 6. 
Just going so quick today. Sorry if you haven't buckled yourself in, but we're going. Listen to my words, Lord, consider my lament. Hear my cry for help, my King, my God, for to you I pray. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. For you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. With you, evil people are not welcome. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. Well, that's a bit, that's a bit rough. Isn't this supposed to be the happy time? It's Old Testament. So this is a lament, I think, by David. And it's a way that I, I struggle with, and I'm not saying I have this all together, but there are key pieces that I want to pick out from this that I hope you hear. The first is that it is early in the morning. Early in the morning. You are not going, if you have kids or have a busy schedule, you know, anything after the morning is somebody else's time and you cannot change it. There's always something that's coming after you. So it is vital for you to seek the Lord early and often. Um, So start the day. That is a great start of, of the day. And in this new year, it's a great way to start the new year. Start really putting into your schedule a time with the Lord. I also like in this that it is my King and my Lord. This is a personal Savior we're talking to. This is not this guy in the chair that sits back and throws thunderbolts and crook makes your back crook when you do something wrong. This is a Lord that loves you and, and wants you to have that conversation with him. So this is a very personal thing to do. And I like the end, too, that I wait expectantly. It's, again, God's timing. So often we want A, B, and C done on our time, and it's not always going to be that way. God is listening. And I was talking to uh, Andy today, and it was, you know, we want it done, and we want it done our time, but the big thing is that we pray and then we wait. We wait for the Lord. Um, Those are my three main points. Not to fear. God, family, and work. And this daily, moment-by-moment engagement with Christ. We need that. We need to be reminded moment-by-moment that God loves us, that he cares for us. Because if we don't, it's not a perspective. It's just a goal to be ticked off the list. It's this impersonal thing. We need to grow a relationship, not a to-do list. So my application, like I said, I have three points for you today. And my first point is who or how, who holds you accountable or how do you hold yourself accountable? We need to rely upon one another. I know that if I have anything to do with a job, I'll put it off, put it off, put it off, put off, delay, delay, delay. But there is a whole body here that wants to make your life look more like Christ. And I'd say rely upon that body. Look into Bible studies. Other people like-minded that want to grow with you. If you're younger or if you're older, look into a mentorship. 
I think one of the most important growing moments of my life was a mentor, a guy that took a Wednesday out of his schedule to look through the Bible with me, who wasn't my dad, who didn't really have any judgment on my life, who just wanted to get my foundation solid. Or accountability partner, somebody your age that is on your level, that really wants the best for you. So the first application bit is if you want this new perspective and you want to really go forward in, in what, the, what God has for you, please go and choose somebody or choose some buddies to help you. My second point is God deals with people. God deals with people. He cares for your actions. He doesn't want you to live in sin. He doesn't want you to have um, this gnawing guilt in your life. He wants you to be free of that. And there will be times we mess up. If you are here in these seats and say that I am a Christian, you're saying that I am messed up, that I don't have it together, that I need Christ. And if you're saying anything other than that, I think you might want to check your tune because I know I've messed up. I know I need Christ, and I know that I can't do it on my own. And God knows that. He knows that there is this imperfect peace in our soul that is going to lead us to sin. And like I said earlier, it's that daily, moment-by-moment reminder to focus back on Christ. And in our failures, he loves us. While we were sinners, he sent his son to die for us. And that leads me to my final point in application. When we fail, God's grace is sufficient. That there is still love in our failure and our, and, our, and our foibles and all the bad things in our life. Not that we relish in those and we say, oh, we're going to make God really great because we fail all the time. No. God loves us and draws us to him. I think of the prodigal son, that he stands on the deck looking out in the sunset, sunrise, wherever it is, and he's waiting for you to come home, waiting for you to do, you know, turn away from what you're, the, the video games or the fear or the, whatever's in your life, you know, pick, pick whatever it is. He's waiting for you to turn away from that and come, to you, come back to him um, and start again, start again, start again. There's not a time where I don't think that, Lord, I've done this a thousand times and a thousand times a thousand times. But God, like I know with my sons, it's okay. Let's do it again. So those are my main points to conclude. All of this is based on trust. I was looking a lot in Psalms. And one thing that kept on recurring when I was reading the Psalms was, Lord, you are my rock. You are my safe place. You are my fortress. This idea that David relied so heavily upon the footing. All of this, all of what I've said, relies upon your trust in God. Your trust in your Savior. He is that solid ground. All of this can be done through that relationship and that trust in your Lord. If you don't have that trust, I recommend you you figure that out. You talk to me or somebody else in this church who's brought you to find that sure footing And I ask that you rely on Christ. If you're already there and you have that trust, if you're on that solid ground, awesome. Find somebody else and pull them on that solid rock too. 
That is what we're called to be doing. So I'll pray if I can have the worship team come forward as I conclude with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for a new year. Thank you for a reset button in our lives to look to uh, a new habit, a stronger relationship, cutting out things in our life that you know that we shouldn't have, Lord. We rely upon you, Lord. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. You are an awesome God. Lord, I pray that as we go out from this place, Lord, burn us in our hearts from our Holy Spirit of what you want us to do. Cut away that is not of you so that you can shine more brightly and brilliant. In your precious and holy name, amen.